Welcome to Q&A with Father Jay. This is your co-host, the man on fire, John Sablon. And with me, as always, is the good priest, Father Jay Mello of Fall River, Massachusetts. Hey, Father. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good, good. Hopefully I didn't put any pressure on you by calling you good. I, I was just about to comment on that. I'm like, I like this title. I'm going to start calling myself that. I'm a good priest. <laughs> you are a good priest. Yeah, hang that. Put that somewhere, Father, whenever you're getting beat up or something, when people are complaining about all the things you're not doing right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, real quick before we get started, Father Saintly shout out for today is St. Agnes. We are recording this on her feast day. She is a virgin martyr um, at the age of around 13, who is the patron of young girls, chastity, rape survivors, and the children of Mary. So we just ask for her special intercession on this day that we may have the courage that she has uh, to live out our call to holiness um, and, and all things and to really seek the face of God as she now is with our Lord um, in heaven. So, Father, we are uh, into the third week of January. And this yep. is typically, as we were talking about preparing for the show, this is the, the week, or at least the, uh, the right around the time frame where most people would have just dropped off all of their New Year's resolutions, all of the things that they made on that list, and, you know, put down and said, you know, these are the things that I'm going to change in my life. Um, what do you say about that? This is the week, three weeks into it. Yeah, uh, that either people are really weak or uh, not very committed to, to the ideals that they set up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't, I say it's sort of tongue in cheek, <laughs> but um, no, I, I think it, it's, yeah, we, we start off a new year. It's sort of like, you know, I'm going to start this diet on, on Monday. Right. And then say, all right, next Monday, you know, because we, we give in to the weaknesses of our bad habits. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you read the same article I did. Um, about what most people make a resolution about. Mm-hmm. It was like the largest percentage of people had committed themselves to improving their, their physical well-being, right? Joining a gym, exercising more, eating more salads. They, they want to be in, in better shape. Maybe, you know, deal with some of the, the weight they put on over the holiday season, all the Christmas cookies, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we know it's hard, right? You know, especially here in the, uh, you know, the Northeast, it's been cold, it's snowy. It's like, you know, the desire to get up early and go to the gym in the morning. It's just easy to turn over. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I don't make any resolutions to improve my physical health in the new year. Uh, <laughs> be, be, be content with being the chubby priest. It's much, <laughs> much more accurate than being a good priest. But um, no, the, the uh, that same article, uh, so, you know, it's interesting to read what people want to improve, right? Their physical health, great thing work on we should all try to be healthy mm-hmm. the you know goals at work you know to be more diligent in whatever their their business may be to work on relationships with spouses with siblings maybe to mend broken relationships mm-hmm. maybe to be a better mother or a better, better father but very far down in that list not even the top 10 top 15 there's people who want to work on their faith mm-hmm. right or work on their relationship with god work on on their soul um, and it's kind of sad that that's so far down on the list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because all these other things, as great as they are, are passing away. Right. We can't take any of them with us. The one thing that is eternal, infinitely more important than all the rest, is our soul, mm-hmm. our relationship with God. 
And yet so few people um, place a value on that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's kind of upsetting. Um, and then I'm sure that, I mean, we could spend hours talking about the reasons for that. But when we were preparing, you know, for the show, one of the things that uh, we wanted to chat about is, you know, what makes for a healthy spiritual life, mm-hmm. right? And we heard this past weekend in the Sunday readings, it was a great reading from St. Paul, his, the introduction to his letter to the Corinthians. And he says something very, I think, very powerful, but it's it, probably very easy to kind of just like pass over it. It's not a story about some great miracle or some great teaching. It's, it's an introduction to the letter. Mm-hmm. It says, you know, to, to all of you, you know, the people of God of Corinth who have been sanctified by God. You've been baptized, you've been blessed, consecrated, welcomed as members of the church. You are called to be holy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for, for a lot of people, um, that's sort of a foreign term. Like, what does that mean to be holy? Like if, I, if I said to you, what does holiness look like? What does a holy person look like? What would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think most people, Father, would point to those who are in the stained glass window, the saints. They're going to point right, to you know, the, the people we have statues of, mm-hmm. uh, the prayer cards, but most of them are popes, bishops, religious sisters, founders, or foundresses of religious communities. Mm-hmm. People who have done extraordinary things have dedicated their entire life to the church in a very radical way, mm-hmm. and that is a great definition of holiness. But one of the great teachings of the Second Vatican Council. I think the teaching of St. Paul and his letter to the Corinthians, that we're all called to be holy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all called to be saints according to our own vocation. So the way that I'm called to be holy as a priest is different than you're called to be holy as a husband and as a father, mm-hmm. right? Where people naturally and rightly expect me to spend a lot more time, you know, in the chapel and the church praying. Um, and, and you may want to do that, but you can't spend hours a day in, in the chapel mm-hmm. or, you know, because it wouldn't be fair to your wife and to your kids. Yeah. As much as I'd love say, to. Yeah. As much as I'd sure. love to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe your wife would want you to spend more time in prayer. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but that's not proper to your vocation. Right. Um, so, so I think holiness can be a confusing thing for some people. Um, and so one of the things that I was talking to my parishioners about, about that reading was, you know, like, in your mind, think of what does a holy person look like? You know, not looking at the, the great saints throughout history, as great as they are, saintly examples. You know, we certainly have more recent um, and, and modern saints, Pope John Paul II, Mother Teresa, but again, mm-hmm. popes, religious sisters, founders of, founders of religious community. Um, but I, I challenge them to think about people in their own life maybe a parent, a grandparent, aunt or uncle, maybe someone who they look up to and say, well, that's a holy person. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and ultimately it's a person who, who loves God, who loves his church, right? It's a person who understands that, that God's first in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we get there? Like, what do all the saints have in common? You know, what can we say are, are the characteristics or the traits of all, of all the saints, right? We, we think, yes, they've de- devoted their life to God, to the church, they love God. They want a relationship with him. But practically speaking, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. And it was a, I was trying to use a funny example in, in my homily this weekend. A couple of years ago, um, 
I was assigned to a parish out on, on Cape Cod. And one of my parishioners was also my, my doctor, my physician. And so I'd gone to him for my yearly physical and he comes back and, you know, finally, you know, your blood pressure is a little bit high. And he said, so I want you to lay off the salt. I want you to exercise more, lose a little, a little bit of weight. I want you to lay, lay off of red meat and eat healthier, eat more salads and all those things. I'm kind of like nodding my head, you know, <laughs> unenthusiastically. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, I love a salty steak and I don't want to exercise. Um, but he, he kind of, he, he picked up on that, that I was just sort of like, yep, yep, sure, doctor, no problem. And he's like, you know, are you going to do these things? And I said, well, you know, and not really committed to it. He says, look, Father, you are my, you're the spiritual expert here. You're, you're my spiritual physician. Mm-hmm. I'm your physical physician. He said, so let me put it to you this way. If I came to you as my, as my priest and I said, Father, I don't go to Mass on Sunday very often or regularly. Uh, I don't pray every day, and I never go to confession. What would you tell me? He said, Father, you would tell me that I'm not living a spiritually healthy life, and you'd be right. He said, no, I'm your physical doctor, you know, and I'm going to tell you that if you're not exercising regularly, if you're not eating healthy, if you're eating things that are bad for you, you're not physically healthy. Mm-hmm. So why don't I help you to live a, a good physically healthy life, and you help me to live a spiritually healthy life. I thought to myself, well, dang, when you put it that way, you know, um, (laughs) you're right. You know, there's no arguing that. Mm -hmm. But he touched upon, you know, what I would call the building blocks or or the foundations of living a holy life. Mm. You know, because where does it begin? Like we look at someone it's like, okay, they're they're a holy person, but how do they get there? Mm -hmm. Right? Like they didn't just, you know, sort of innately have all of these great virtues about them. You know, Um, I mean, some people do. You look at St. Agnes, you know, from a a young child Mm -hmm. who had a great devotion, great love for the Lord, um, great love for purity. Mm -hmm. Um, But for a lot of people, they may not have that. They didn't grow up in a very devout home. They didn't grow up practicing the faith. But they want to take their faith seriously. They want to grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so what do they have to do? So taking from my my doctor, um, I think that he touched upon the three foundation, three building blocks of the faith. Mm -hmm. So Sunday mass, praying every day and confession as often as we need it. Now, if we commit ourselves to these three things, we are are embracing the things that all the saints had in common. I don't think there's any saint in the church that did not practice all of these three things. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. you're, you're You're absolutely right. Right. Um, and so like Sunday mass, like we hear people say all the time, like, I don't need to go to church to pray. Like I can pray at work. I can pray in the car. I can pray in the shower. And that's absolutely right. You can do all of those things and you should do all those things. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between going to Sunday mass and just praying. They're not the same mm-hmm. because when we go to Sunday mass, we are worshiping and worship is a very specific type of prayer that we can't necessarily do at home. When we come to the church as a community, God's people together, to worship him, we are fulfilling the command of Christ of Holy Thursday when he said, do this in memory of me. That's right. right? And this is the Holy Mass. And we can't do that anywhere. Jesus told us this is proper worship. This is the way that we keep holy the Sabbath. This is the way that we worship God. Uh, and so I, I commit people— I, 
you know, challenge people to commit themselves to Sunday mass, not just when it's convenient, not just when it fits in the schedule, but to say, I am going to give God these 60 minutes of my life, 60 minutes once a week. Um, you know, as really kind of the, the first priority of, of living just a good Christian life. Mm-hmm. You know, so the second then would be um, praying every day. You know, people who I talk to say all the time, you know, Father, I want to pray more. I wish I, I wish I had time. Father, I, you know, but I'm busy. I've got, you know, sports, the kids, I've got work, I've got housework, shopping. Like, I, I've always seen this, told me, always, but I don't have the time to pray. And I get it. We're all busy. I wish I had more time to pray. Absolutely get it. Mm-hmm. But I saw a funny meme. You know, of like the guy standing, you know, at the the gates of heaven, and um, you know, standing Saint Peter, and he's just like, "Yeah, I wish I had more time to pray." And Saint Peter is looking at his browser history on his internet. He's like, "Wow, look how much time you spend on Netflix. Look how much time you spend on YouTube." And it's true. Like, how much time do we spend wasting time? Mm-hmm. Like, I think to myself, like, you know, I try to be very active on social media, and I think to myself. I could spend more time in prayer and less time on, on Instagram. I could spend more time doing spiritual reading than checking out funny videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And as really, we're honest with ourselves, it's not that we're lacking in time. It's that we, we waste time and we need to waste. We need to have downtime. I get it. But if downtime takes a higher ranking in our life than time with our Lord, then what is that doing for us? It's not helping us to be better people. It's not helping us to, to be closer to God. It's not helping us to, to be holier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I challenge people to kind of look at your schedule and say, am I wasting time? Especially at the end of the day. I mean, when I talk to people like how easy it is like, Oh yeah, I went to bed you know, at 10 o'clock, but you know, three hours later, I'm still watching videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right. And our phones are great assets, great tools, but, can also be uh, a great a distraction That's right. from quality time, even with in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the other day I went to have dinner with a friend of mine, and we're sitting there. This couple, husband and wife, come, and they sit on the side of us. And the only time I heard them speak is when they ordered their food. They both were sitting there playing games on their food. It wasn't even like they were, you know, responding to emails or doing something productive. They were both playing games. I thought to myself, the entire time they're sitting there, they never converse with each other. Wow. You know, so yeah. there's, there's a lot of time we waste yeah, I was, on, on our phones. You know, I was, you know, thinking about that, Father, I think the, 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 the point you're making, both about even just the mass, um, as well as that, that, the necessity of silence. And I think as we help the listeners out there, you know, improve their life, right? We're at the beginning of 2020 and, you know, to try to, to, to be resolved in their resolutions specifically in becoming holy. It's, it's to, to make time for silence. And I think we fear that often as, you know, uh, the late JP two would say is we fear silence because of fear of meeting ourselves. And I think, you know, to really encourage the listeners out there to, to seek the silence in order to, obviously hear the voice of God, but also to, 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 to grow in their own self-knowledge, to see the areas, to be introspective, to, 
to, to really do the homework, to be diligent about what are the things that I need to improve in my life? Where are the areas that need God's mercy the most? And what are the things that I need to either rid myself of and or add to my life um, as you're trying to, you know, help the listeners out there build on the building blocks to grow in holiness. But just wanted to comment on that to encourage the people to, that silence is going to be where we encounter God, because that's where we're going to yeah. hear. And we're also going to encounter ourselves. And sometimes we we're scared of that because we're afraid of who we will encounter. And, and yeah. so, and so we're afraid and, of what God may say to us. Yeah. But both, right. Who am I going to see in the mirror? And, um, yeah. am, am I going to, am I going to be worried about the monster that's going to be looking at me back? Um, because we're going to be, we're going to encounter our own nakedness. We're going to encounter our own brokenness, but that's exactly what we need to do in order for us to allow God to come into that moment of our lives and, and, and really heal us from whatever it is we need healing from, or just strengthen us in our resolve to, to make improvements in our life. Yeah. So, yeah, so those are the first two. Mm-hmm. So the third is confession, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I preach about it a lot um, because so often it wasn't preached here at my own parishes. And, you know, people just stopped going. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like confession's tough enough, right? Like, I don't, I mean, very few people like going to confession. But it's never preached about. And, it's never offered. What a great way to get people to stop going. Yeah. So when I got here to my, my parishes, I, uh, you know, I have the mass schedule, um, and you know, all the other things around the parish. I'm like, well, what's the confession schedule? Well, there isn't one. Mm-hmm. So confessions were not even offered at the parish. And I think to myself, well, how are we trying to help people grow in holiness if we're not offering confession? Mm-hmm. So, so now we offer confession five different times a week. You know, to try to, um, you know, because it's like one of those things, build it and they will come, right? We, we have to provide people the opportunity to go to confession. Because if we say, you know, we do it by appointment, well, that's great. But it's tough enough to get people to go anonymously during one of the hours we provide. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to them calling and saying, hey, Father, this is so-and-so. Can I come into your office to tell you my sins? Yeah, yeah, face-to-face. Right? I mean, come on. So everybody in the lobby realistic. can yeah, everybody in the lobby can see me and the receptionist knows who I am. Um, exactly. <laughs> Um, but, but it is, it's one of those things. Like if we make the parallel back to the physical life, like you can go to the gym, Mm -hmm. but if you leave the gym and go get a pizza every day, you're not going to, you're not going to get healthier. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have to look at all these things together to say, okay, if you want to be physically healthy, you have to eat healthy. You have to stay away from bad food and you have to exercise, Mm -hmm. right? You know, it's all these things together. And it's the same with the spiritual life. Like we can't just go to mass and expect to be a saint and not pray every day and not go to confession. Mm-hmm. Or we can't pray every day and go to mass and not go to confession. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I mean, even the just man sins seven times a day. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think some people, they, there's lots of good excuses, you know, father, I've been in 30 or 40 years. I, I forget how to go. Or people try to be funny. Like, father, if I went to confession, you'd be there all week. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll clear my schedule. You tell me when. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but I'll tell you, as a priest, there is no greater joy. I mean, with baptisms, weddings, all the great things we do as parish priests, there is no greater joy than seeing someone, you know, see their face or to hear their voice when I say, I absolve you of your sins, and it's been 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. And you can just tangibly feel and, and experience in a real way this burden being lifted from them. It's people, because they're embarrassed, they don't want to say out loud things that they've done in their past. Um, 
you know, and I don't know. I just, just do it. Just go to confession. I, you know, I just, yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you, if you relate that to um, the cleansing of your body, right. I've heard that used often where you would mm-hmm. never not take a shower every day. And even if you did, you know, um, outside of camping or, you know, roughing it, um, go a week, two weeks, a month, mm-hmm. you know, you would never even, you, you wouldn't even, that's nothing you would even fathom yet. We do that with the most important thing, which is our soul. And that's a cleansing of our soul. And I think that what the devil likes to do father in this case is, you know, right before you commit the sin, he convinces you it's not a big deal at all. You're justified yep. to it. It's not a big deal. And the minute you, you commit it, he, 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 then he tells you that it's the biggest obstacle from God's mercy. And he just tries to keep us from, from experiencing the greatest gift that God gave us in, in the sacraments is reconciliation with him, with our heavenly father. And to, for those that are out there that maybe have struggling with that, you know, father, maybe you can, you can uh, affirm them. Cause I know you probably agree with this is there's nothing that we're going to share with you or any other priest that is all of a sudden earth shattering. That's all of a sudden unique or you haven't mm-hmm. heard before. And I think we think that, you know, we think that be, because of that guilt, because of that shame, um, that the devil is really rubbing our nose in that telling us that's what we're about and that, you know, nobody's going to forgive us. Nobody's going to love us that much. And, um, you know, maybe you can affirm the uh, the listeners there. I mean, there's nothing we're going to tell you, right, Father, that all of a sudden is going to throw you out of your seat? I, I remember um, me and my classmates, we were ordained the summer of 2007. And, you know, it's sort of like the story of the gospel, right, where Jesus sends out the 72 and they come back and they're telling them all these different stories of all the great things they experienced. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sort of like when we, so when we were studying in Rome, we would go back after our nation for another year to finish up a degree. And I remember we had gone back and it was sort of like that scene from the gospel. Like we're all just talking about, you know, the mass celebrated baptisms and then we get confessions and we're all kind of looking at each other. Like obviously we don't talk about it, but you know, we all kind of share the same sentiment. Like in the first two weeks of our priesthood, we had heard every sin that we could think of. Like it was after the first few weeks. It was like, okay, nothing else is new under the sun. Like people, I think sometimes say things like they, they say they're sin. They're waiting for like you know the priest to like pass out in the chair, thinking, <laughs> oh my god, I've never heard this before. Right. It's like, nope, sorry, you're not that. Your sin is not that original. Right. Like you know, we've been doing this for for two thousand years. Like you cannot come up with a sin that's going to shock me. That's exactly. But the other right. part of it is, you're not saying it to me. You're saying it to God, who already knows it. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm standing in his place and it has nothing to do with, with me or anybody else. It has everything to do with, with the Lord who wants to bring healing into your life. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't get it. I mean, I, I do and I don't like, I, you know, for example, I went to the dentist today. I, I love going to the dentist. I, if I think I could have my teeth cleaned every Friday afternoon, I'd do it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just made them weird. I, I you know. Like I, just, I, I love going to the dentist, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I get that feeling of having your teeth power washed by that, that great new tool they have, whatever. It's just like, <laughs> it's fantastic. Right? But if someone hasn't been in 30 years and they haven't been brushing their teeth, they haven't been flossing, like I could get why they're not going to want to go to the dentist. It's going to be a pretty miserable experience, right? right. <laughs> the dentist is going to be like, okay, well, you haven't really been working on this 30 years, but, but we have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So let's just start cleaning them and let's start. You know, they're not there to embarrass you or to make you feel bad about it. But like, all right, we need to fix what you haven't been doing in 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the priest. Like, okay, you haven't been in 30 years. Praise God you've decided to come back. Mm-hmm. So now let's, 
but let's work on some of the big things. Like, you know, so let, let's, what are some of the big sins here? What's kept you away? Mm-hmm. Cause it's all about a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes people can see it as sort of like jumping through hoops or some kind of formality. Like, why can't I just confess my sins to God? Well, you are right. confessing your sins to God. You're not confessing them to me, mm-hmm. you know, but, but God has given us priests to celebrate the sacrament for us, to give us that assurance right. that if we confess our sins, we can be assured that we are forgiven. And I think the other yeah, thing too, it, it, I think the other thing too, father, just on the human level, we, we, in our own human relationships, right. We, we almost expect demand the, that we're told, right. That's if you had an offense against me, if you just said, well, I don't need to apologize to John, I'll just say sorry to God. Um, when will you ever know that you're forgiven? Right. If, if you didn't have that conversation with me, if you yeah. didn't come back and reconcile with me. And I think we don't expect that or um, take that in our own human relationships, but somehow we always push that on God. And yeah, while you are confessing your sins to God, d- don't you want the opportunity to, to make retribution, to, to, mm-hmm. to make, you know, um, to, to earn back that person's, you know, trust in your own human relationships or, to just let them know, you know, I'm sorry. And I didn't mean to hurt you. Um, and yeah, don't you want that affirmation? Don't you want that? Just the exercise of going through that. And I think sometimes we try to convince ourselves, like I can just go to God, but how do you really know? Yeah. You know? It's like making the comment, like, well, I know that he loves me. Well, do you really? You know, mm-hmm. Without ever it ever being conveyed, without ever it being shown and demonstrated, how do you really know? And I think we often forget that just because we're uncomfortable with going through the process. But I would agree with you, Father. I, you know, when it comes to confession and, you know, I'm really impressed with my two boys because they make it a weekly practice and um, we never go beyond, uh, you know, or try never to go beyond a month. And we've been exercising a weekly confession. I think, you know how good it feels when you're in that confessional every week, you know, not because we're holier than thou, but because we're sinners that need the grace of God and we need his mercy and that it strengthens us in order for us to answer that call to holiness so, you know, you know, circling all back to all of this, to, you know, the beginning of the show, wh- how are we going to not be one of those 85% or whatever the, the numbers were that fall off the wagon three weeks into the, the new year with regards to the resolutions as it relates to our call to holiness? And as Father stated, that was through mass, daily prayer and confession. And I think one of the most powerful things is the confessional because it always it gives us the ability to wipe the slate clean so that when sure. we, yeah when we fall and we will fall we're not perfect we just strive for perfection it, it gives us the ability to get back up and i think that's why when we look at some of these saints as we've been talking about they're sinners who just got back up who kept striving yeah. to 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 reach perfection really the end in their purpose not perfection without error but perfection as fulfilling the end that was designed by mm-hmm. the creator and that's ultimately to be one with him yeah, and it's more than just, you know, cleaning the slate. It's also giving us God's grace so we don't fall into those same sins again. It's giving us the grace that we need to get up again. Mm-hmm. Right? It's one thing to say, okay, you know, you're forgiven. Slate's clean. You know, brand new sheet of paper. You know, whatever it may be, our, our image for this. But we forget that with all the sacraments come God's grace, mm-hmm. come his divine assistance to help us to grow in holiness, to grow closer to him, mm-hmm. to, you know, 
rise above our weaknesses. And yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, it's I, such a necessary sacrament. I would say just as we, as we close this episode to the three things, you know, you, great, great point father that, you know, the, it, this is the grace that for us as, as, as Catholics, sacraments are not symbols um, necessarily, right? It's God's divine life work, work, divine life working in you through those sacraments. But all mm-hmm. the things you describe, Father, the Mass, right? We can't get any more intimate than receiving our Lord in body, blood, soul, divinity. When you talk about daily prayer, that is a personal relationship. That's intimate time dialoguing with our Creator, with our God. And then lastly, in the confessional, right? The grace of that sacrament of God's divine life through His divine mercy, working through the sacrament intimately within us to strengthen us, to guide us, to, to give us the resolve that we need. And so, you know, to the viewers out there, I would just say that, you know, take these three building blocks um, and apply them to your life. You know, don't be one of those 85% of the people out there that don't even have on their top 20 anything to do with their soul, which is the most important part uh, of us as it relates to life and eternity. So I just wanted to really encourage all of the listeners out there to continue to, to reach out to Father Jay, myself, um, get us on our handles, John J. Sablon or Father Jay Mello, um, you know, comment, like, subscribe to the podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and just let us know what you're thinking. You know, what, what how's, how's it going out there? What other kind of questions you have that we can come together and help lead you towards a life that Christ desires for you. Until next time, God's peace.